0: I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land upon which this recording takes place, the Gubby Gubby people of Southeast Queensland. I honor their continuing connection to land, sea, and sky, as well as their elders, past, present, and emerging. Hey there. Welcome back to the Men's Sex and Pleasure podcast. I'm your host, Cam Fraser. We're talking all things masculinity, sexuality, male bodies, and men's experiences of pleasure. And today, I have the pleasure of chatting with M. Carly Hashiki. M Kali Hashiki is a somatic sacred storyteller and erotic ritualist. She holds certifications in sexological bodywork, sound voice and music healing, and tantric sacred intimacy. As a somatic sacred storyteller, she helps you uncover the stories your body is holding onto, jettisoning the ones poisoning you, and helping you to reframe and retell the ones left. As an erotic ritualist, she designs journeys for you to commune with the divine, using your physical pleasure as a conduit of communication. Her divine purpose is helping folks heal their erotic wounds so they can have the joyous and juicy life that is their divine birthright and move further along in their path to individual and collective liberation. Her website, Fierce Passions, is a somatic cyber temple offering community journeys, rituals, individual coaching, instructional videos, private lessons for couples and triads, and guided visualizations to help us survive and thrive during these chaotic times. In her nomadic travels across North and Central America, she teaches at colleges and universities, conferences, and the occasional adult toy store or educational center. She offers sexuality training and employee wellness slash team building skills to organizations and companies. She's also a skilled sensitivity reader hired to read manuscripts to make sure they avoid explicit and implicit systemic bias. Her lived experiences as a fat, black, queer, femme trauma survivor inform every aspect of her work. You can find out more at FiercePassions.com or at uh, M. Carly Hishiki's Instagram page, which is at Fierce underscore Passions. The two of us, we talk about the sacredness of the anus and the healing as well as the pleasure that can be explored by incorporating anal play, particularly anal massage into our life. And we also discuss breath work and how breathing can be a tool to expand our eroticism. So if that sounds intriguing to you, then I encourage you to keep on listening. It was really lovely to connect with Shiki on this topic uh, and explore it with relation to men, uh, and um, yeah integrating, you know, her wisdom into my own teachings for men. So, yeah, it was really lovely and really enjoyable for me, so I hope you enjoy listening.
1: Personal habits of body care or hygiene can have a lot to do with popularity and
0: social success.
1: Let me show you. So the next time that somebody wants you to go to bed with them, with or without a condom, then just picture that you're actually going to bed. It's not just you and him or you and her. It's that you're packing along a loaded revolver with you when you go.
0: Boy, if you hung around with the guys I know, you you wouldn't be able to stand it. They just talk about sex all the time. And we can jump straight in, I suppose. And, and the way I like to start, actually, is with just a bit of an invitation. It's an invitation for you to share a little bit about yourself, about the work that you do. And I'd also really like to know, what are you passionate about? That's my, my invitation.
1: Mm, you know, it depends on the, the day and uh, the last news cycle, <laughs> what I'm passionate about. But a little bit about me, um, I turn 55 in uh, two weeks. I'm kind of really excited about that. Um I am a black, fat, middle-aged, queer, femme, polyamorous um kinkster, uh top heavy switch. And currently I am I'm single. I've been single for a while. And I'm kind I left the US. I'm US born. I left the US a couple years ago because I was clear that I would not survive if I stayed in the US. And uh, I'm in Mexico and headed further south uh, in a few months. So what am I, what's my work? I, I like change my little tagline, like, I don't know, maybe quarterly, it seems like. Um, and right now, I think my I've been calling myself a, a sacred somatic storyteller um, and erotic ritualist. But basically, my work is like helping people heal their erotic wounds, and like figure out the type of erotic and sexual erotic and or sexual i've definitely had asexual folks and folks who are being celebrated and work with me um so having people figure out the erotic life that they want to be living and um i define erotic as separate from sexual and sensual although it can be related and for me erotic is really ra- about um that which please that which is pleasing to or which stimulates the soul or um i was i I don't know when i read it but i was very strongly 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 strongly, uh, affected by audrey lord's essay the uses of the erotic the eroticist power Now it was written in the 80s and it's definitely a product of that time so there's some gender essentialism and some anti-porn rhetoric that i'm not down for but The way she explains what the erotic is, the deep life force, and how important it is to, like, how important the erotic is to, um, you know, political and artistic works. Um, That just really had a really powerful effect on me. So when I talk about the erotic, I'm not speaking solely or even at all about sex. Um, I'm speaking about that deep, deep life force. Um, and, and I think understanding the erotic and helping people to understand and be in connection with their own erotic energy is the thing that I'm always passionate about at, you know, at its foundations, no matter the day or time. What I'm currently passionate about is what I call helping folks develop their erotic stamina or the, uh, evolution or revolution uh, that is uh, nigh upon us for the world that we want to live in so we, don't, we' want we want to create this new world we don't want to bring all this crap this garbage this you know baggage with us um and so we're in this liminal space how do we have the stamina to get through and not in a sense of endurance but like uh, how do we continue to have joy and pleasure and thrive in this liminal time but as we develop stamina and jettison the gunk in order to be in this new space that I, I have to hope that, that that's where we're going. <laughs> Things don't look so rosy and it's hard to be inspired. So I have to believe that we're heading towards um, something uh, better and more interdependent and conscious and kind than the world that we currently live in. And especially in the world that have been shown to us um, through uh, how folks have been behaving through this pandemic, so we are we're in this in between space, and we got to make it through. And so I'm passionate about helping people to make it through.
0: Yeah, amazing, and I, I definitely agree with you that that we're in like this liminal space at the moment, and it can, I you know, it's a lot of energy to hold point for that vision of like where like you want to go. And I'm wondering, do you have any? friends, colleagues, family who also hold that vision as well and, and like, are really clear on, like, this is yeah, you know, I, where I have
1: to, I have to have those people. Otherwise, I won't be able to keep, you know, I won't be able to hold it for myself. So I'm in this – it was starting as a coaching program, but I don't know if that's the – that's not the correct way to refer to it, but um, right now. So I'm in a, a community called Turtle Tank, and it's um, visionary um, – really visionary healers who are working toward the future uh, by working toward working on themselves in order to be ready for this future. So that's one place that I get a lot of inspiration and like makes me feel like I'm not isolated or alone. And then I'm part of a, another a newish collective called Aerosomatic Arts. Um, and so we're really sort of, um, Grasping, grasping, grappling with, <laughs> um, you know, the idea of uh, erotic education, helping people to expand their own, um, skills around, uh, connecting to, wielding, using their erotic energy for whatever particular use they want to put it towards. Um, and so that's, that's another place where I get, uh, a lot of support and like, Feeling like
0: I'm not alone and like, you know, despairing. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. Cause I often think of like, um, this is maybe a little segue or not a segue, but just like a little sidebar into like uh, the political climate, I suppose. But I, I often think that like one of the reasons why a lot of uh, conservative people are really like bound together and have like a lot of unity compared to maybe more progressive people is because they, conservatives that is like have a vision of what it is that they want. And it's, you know, 50, a hundred years ago, it's like, you know, they, they've seen it. And so like, it's a very clear vision. Um, whereas people maybe um, that are a bit more progressive or like want to see progress, I suppose. Like we haven't seen that necessarily before. Maybe we've gotten glimpses of it, but it's like, it's a new thing. And so it's maybe it, harder it's to. A, it's, a,
1: it's a new and it's not a new thing. There's many marginalized communities who um, have to be interdependent, who have to be kind, who have to be connected. I'm thinking of like, you know, poor folk and uh, folks with disabilities, disabled folks, and various communities of indigenous folks, depending on what continent you're on. It, and there's ways in which we in those communities have figured out how to be um, we understand that we are interdependent in a way that the mainstream is clearly and even more forcefully right now rebelling against like this whole individualism trope, which is like a key tenet of white supremacy, which is destroying the fucking planet. Um, and there are communities who are living now and communities in the past who have lived in opposition to that sort of... um, um Hierarchical, patriarchal dominion over the earth, individualist mindset. And, and a lot of those, some of those communities have been destroyed, but some of those communities will this It is a matter of whether those voices are, uh, listened to or not. So, and, and I think the other reason, so in, in, in the galaxy far, far away, in another lifetime, um, I did a lot of, um, rights activism and anti-right wing uh, activism and when you simplify things and you have a clear enemy because you've simplified and lied, um, it makes it really easy to unify. Um, And I think one of the reasons that the left has had difficulty unifying is that all people on the left Aren't necessarily as progressive as they like to claim. Like, there's a lot of like racism and sexism and homophobia and transphobia in communities that identify as leftists, right? And so, uh, and then you know, they're really just trying to get whatever their particular thing is to be part of the pie, right? Like, so for example, you know, white conservative gay men, like they don't give a fuck about. Uh, poor Black disabled people. They just want gay men to be able to be, you know, part of the hierarchy. And so I think that fracturing um, makes it hard for the left to unify. Well, I don't don't know if I I want to say it like that. Um, Some folks on the left are only out for themselves, and some folks on the left are really about interdependence and how can we work together. And, um, the folks who are really only after themselves have better optics and, um, more platforms. So they seem like they're the majority, um, when they're not necessarily.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate the the nuance, um, that you just shared there. And, and I appreciate you going into that sidebar it wasn't necessarily where I was planning to go, but, um, I, I appreciate you, you speaking into it. Uh, something that you did mention before was, um, uh, erotic wounds and helping people heal their erotic wounds and, you know, and, and the the thing that you expanded upon was like where you want to go and the vision that you hold for like getting past this liminal space is like incorporating eroticism um, and that deep life force into that, um, you know, into, into the development of, of that vision, I suppose. And so I was wondering, like what are those erotic wounds if, if they're able to be distilled into like an example and like how do we then, the second part of that question, I suppose, is like, how do we then like, bring that eroticism out and, and carry it with us into this um, direction that we want to take society in our lives?
1: Well, I'll say that uh, in, the, in the mainstream red, the white Christian hegemony, um, there's this disconnect between the body and the mind. There's this disconnect, there's the, 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 the deliberate disconnect. And this sort of pushing of the, and, and, it, and, and how it's, the words that are actually used are different depending on which mainstream community you, you're talking about. But it comes down to this belief, you know, that the, to say it simply and in a way that, you know, a lot of folks might recognize this idea that the, um, the spirit is sacred and the flesh is profane. You know, that, that like in order, to be good moral people physical pleasure doesn't have a place in that and that people who are concerned with physical pleasure have some moral failing like there's they can't possibly be good and so i think when i when i talk about erotic wounds i'm i'm mostly talking about people who've been told that they that their very existence is depraved, evil, sinful, not moral based on what they look like, who they love, how they love, how many people they love, um, you know, the, how they speak, all of those different things that um, can be uh, connected to, I mean, you know, we just talk about racism, um, sexism, homophobia, all those things, but even when you, I'll use myself for an example. So, when I was growing up, I knew very early on that everything media said, like, you know, I watch movies, I watch TV, I was a child of the the 60s and 70s, so I was very into like the 70s sitcom thing. And I knew from an early age, and I don't think it was like my mother sat me down and told me, but I just knew from an early age that everything that the media said about me as a Black Girl child going to be a woman, everything is said about who I was, the capacity I had, what I should want was a lie. Like I knew that from a very early age. And so even though I know that it's a lie, sometimes the voices, you know, like I and as an adult, I'm like, I know that's a lie, I know it's a lie. And then sometimes I'll find myself like, oh, I let that piece of bullshit like sink into my psyche. Um, and so even when you are aware that it's bullshit, it can be hard to keep it from invading your spirit because it's a constant barrage 24-7, um, depending on how many different ways your particular body is marginalized by the state. And so for some people, those erotic, they don't recognize that those erotic wounds until they become an adult and then they're they're struggling to figure out like how to heal them and and by healing like i when i'm talking about healing in this context I, i'm not I, I don't mean cure or get rid of get rid of there's um uh, betty martin had this uh phrase uh, that i love and then i sort of expanded on it and she said that healing um, i'm trying to say that healing is um basically reconnecting with the parts of ourselves or or becoming whole and and i say that healing is the process of reconnecting with those parts of ourselves that were either forcibly taken from us by trauma depending on what the trauma was um or the pieces that we sacrificed um in in an attempt to uh, survive the trauma or survive the aftermath of the trauma and so when I'm talking about trauma, I'm talking about both incidental trauma, um, event-based trauma, and I'm talking about systemic trauma, like again, racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, um, ableism, things like that. And so I and I had this really interesting conversation with a friend. And so I'm still kind of working out how this might shift my beliefs. You know, when we start talking about epigenetic epigenetics. So I said that I believe we're all born whole, whatever that means, right? So that we're all born whole, and then um, depending on again how many on how many axes we are marginalized based on you know the body that we inhabit, um, parts of ourselves get taken away, or again we sacrifice parts of ourselves. And then my friend said, um. We you know that, that they didn't believe that we were all born whole. And then we started this whole conversation about trauma and epigenetics. And I was like, you know, you're right, but I don't know how that affects. Like, I believe what you're saying. I'm not sure how yet that I incorporate that into what I understand of what healing is and how we are born. So it's a thing I sort of keep in the back of my head and sort of uh, I'm hoping that over time that understanding will start to move. Um, inform more directly my belief about what healing is and my belief about what wholeness is. And right now I would say that I believe we are born whole. And again we need to all discussion what is the whole what is my whole but I believe we are born whole and then the particular society that we currently live with um takes pieces of us in order for us to survive. Even those of us who are you know, supposedly living lives of privilege, like one of the lies about white privilege or one of the things that folks don't voice about white privilege, um, and mostly because white people don't want to admit they have, that they have white privilege, but one of the things that isn't often talked about is the ways that folks, and I don't, and I don't know Australian history, so I'm talking about US history in particular, the ways in which people who came here from Europe, came, came here, I'm not in the US, but people who came to the US um, had to give up stuff in order to become white. And that they believed that there were certain that, that it was worth it, right? I'm gonna give up my culture in order to get this thing or these things, these benefits that I will get by becoming white um, at, only to realize later, and I, I guess I don't think actually people have realized it, but, that, that severance, that, that cutting off from that culture has ramification, right? I, I'm not being like, oh, poor white people, but I'm saying that, that there is a way in which, um, whether you are, wherever you are in the hierarchy, uh, when you were born or in order to maintain your, mm, don't like that. No matter where you are, no matter where you are in the hierarchy, um, parts of you are missing. And the healing is a journey. Do I believe we will ever get back to that state of wholeness? That's a whole other conversation. But the further along we are on the journey, the more different pieces of us we can reclaim. And the further we go along on the journey, the more connected we become with other people. Because also one of the big things about erotic wounding is a lot of it is... um, is done by religion, right? So whether or not folks grew up in a particular church, those sort of um, don't say vibes, those sort of vibes permeate um, you know, all of mainstream culture. And so when you when you, one of my one of the ways that I work with people is to help them experience Their sacredness, their connection to the divine, and when you have an authentic experience of your connection to the divine, then you can't help but understand that other people are also pieces of the divine, and therefore, uh, any sort of marginalization and oppression is a form of blasphemy if you want to use that that, uh, context. And so, you know, a lot of the religious right wing think of themselves as like godly people that are speaking for God. And I call bullshit because there's no way you can have an authentic connection and authentic interaction with the divine and think that they only speak to you and everybody else is damned. Like if that's the, if that's the experience you had, you have bad dreams. I don't know, but that there's not, that was not authentic. Not an authentic experience of God, and sometimes I use God as sure. shorthand. I, don't. I personally am not a Christian, um, nor do I believe in the big white guy who, speaks in, who sits in the sky. But for folks who are a Christian or who believe in, in one of the three um, big, one of the three big boys, um, I don't believe that you can have an authentic connection to the baby and then believe that, that you are somehow elevated above others. I mean I, I, I guess I could go into a whole like maybe you talk to the devil, but I don't really believe in devil either,
0: so. <laughs> That's a, different conversation. a different conversation. Well I appreciate you you elaborating on um you know erotic wounding and kind of where it's coming from and some ways to to kind of navigate it. the, the you know there was a few things in there that really stood out to me and really resonated with me and my like my lived experience, I suppose, you know, um, as a guy, you know, as just like a sh- straight white dude, like, you know, pleasure and, you know, play and, um, experiencing like eroticism and sensuality ha- like has been a, um, has been something that has not been encouraged of me, uh, and of other, uh, you know, men essentially uh i feel like it's it's very much demonized and um you know, it, you know it's it's very easy to say that we're like a pleasure negative society but like a very like concrete example of that pleasure negativity that i see in like quote-unquote men's coaches is like pleasure is weakness you know pleasure is weakness entering the body like pleasure is effeminate and it makes you weak and you know and it's just again it's yeah it's misogynistic it's homophobic it's like you know. It's a way of maintaining, like, this is what a real man is, and you're not a real man if you enjoy pleasure, and it's just ridiculous. Um, and so, and it, and, and,
1: it, and it makes sex like this thing that you do to somebody else as opposed to an experience that you have with someone else, right? Like, sex is all about domination and like uh, accomplishing something. And like, like it's, it's like people, they talk about sex like uh, in a lot of this pet places, they talk about sex the same way they talk about like sports right like it, but it's except for sports sports have more connection like the guys playing football are more connected to each other than some of their fans are to the people they're fucking and I'm just like this is, this is weird every now and then um, uh, you know I, I spend a lot of my life uh, on Facebook I'm in so many tag groups I can't even keep them all straight and there's this one tag group that I, don't, I think I first discovered it like Maybe a couple of years ago, <laughs> and it's 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 primarily for cis hat women to use, I, I, it's exclusively for cis hat women to use, and it says it's tagged to something like, "The fact that I'm attracted to men at all proves sexuality is not a choice."
0: <laughs> yeah, I've heard that before. And
1: it's yeah. like, you know, I, and when I hear like men talk, not here because I like I said I live my life on the internet, nah, but when I read the things that they're saying, I'm like, do you even like that? like? Nothing that you're, do you even like yourself? Let's start there. Like, if you can't, if your pleasure is only achieved by like domination or some sort of like vision of brutality or something, I don't believe that you're, like, I don't believe you're actually enjoying yourself. Like ejaculation is a physiological um experience, not the word, event, right? It doesn't actually tell me that, your soul enjoyed what happened. It doesn't tell me that like your energy body, that your mind, that anything other than your penis had a good time. Right. And it doesn't tell me that you were in any way connected with your partner or person you were having sex with. I just, ugh. you know, and I feel like the 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 and this is the thing that, you know, I, I have some sympathy and then I have no sympathy because it's the thing that like straight men are doing to themselves, right? But the box, the the box around what a straight man is, it seems so constricting and confining and like not really a place to to have an, a, a, an authentic relationship with yourself let alone an authentic relationship with anyone else. But again, like that's something y'all did to yourself. So I can't, I can't be, not too much sympathy for you. Um, But it just seems like a really disconnected and uh, isolating and fundamentally lonely box to inhabit. And like, what do you get from it? Like there's no prize, but there's no, like, no one's coming along with like a gold, you know, award thing. You are the most masculine. T- hey, we're going to name, you know, a country after you. Like, there's no prize. So I don't understand the investment and the, the violent investment in maintaining this tiny little box, you know, and like, and, and it seems like the, the whole focus of fifth Pet male pleasure is the penis, as if there's not an entire, you know, acres of flesh there. Like it's only focused on the penis. And that also seems kind of like, not very satisfying. Like when you have like, maybe, maybe the testicles might be involved. Like, oh boy, are we getting a little out there. But like, the whole body is a site of pleasure. And yet, this pet male sexuality is Focus on the penis, and not even focus on what you can do to your own penis, but what you can do to other people with your penis. It seems very strange.
0: And um, I had to unlearn all of that. So, like, my experience around like, you know, doing sex positive and pleasure positive work, essentially, like, was to take myself out of that box. And uh, you you were sharing before about. Uh, when you were a child and seeing these things about you know what a um, you know, what what you should want and that kind of being a lie and and that you still catching yourself today as an adult you know noticing that that belief because it's like ingrained right from a young age like that for me is still ingrained you know around masculinity and and around what it means to be a a, a straight dude and what my you know, conditioning is around being in that box and so even though I do. Explore my whole body, even though I do explore pleasure and a bunch of diversity from ways. I still catch myself having that thought of like, this is making you unmanly, or this is making you not masculine, or, or whatever it is, right? And so it's there, and and I think like, you know, and I think that'll always be there. To be totally honest with you, I think there will be, you know, that that story in the back of my mind that kind of I have to catch myself from from thinking. And when I get tired and when I'm o- overwhelmed, I know the the story. Rear its ugly head a little bit more, um, and when I'm really on top of my, you know, personal practices, then it's it's very quiet. Um, but the the exploration of the whole body is something that I'm a big advocate for. And you know, I you you uh, for people that are maybe listening to this, they might not have seen, but you said you know uh, pleasure before in inverted commas right in air quotes. Um, and I make a distinction for the men that I work with and the men that, that will listen to me is between pleasure and gratification. And I think you know a lot of straight dudes are very good at sexual gratification right they can they can get an ejaculation and they can go through the motions and they can get that squirt of dopamine and feels good for a transient moment and it's gratifying and that's kind of it but when it comes to pleasure and full body deeply experienced connected pleasure either with themselves or with a partner they're not very good at that and i would hazard a guess and say a lot of men haven't really experienced that Uh, and so i like to make that distinction between gratification and pleasure um just so it's a little bit easier for people to understand yeah Yeah. no 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 problem
1: that's that's a great that's a great delineation yeah gratification versus pleasure and i do think i i you know i read this like i read it when it first came out and then and then when I tried to find it again, I couldn't find it. But you know, there was this study that said something like it was basically like who's having the most orgasms, right? And it was like gay men at the top, cis head women at the bottom, like, and then right after gay men was cis head. So it was like, and this this one was I can't remember the one that I read was kind of by public. Because I didn't even mention by folks but it was like gay men at the top, cis head men, lesbians to set with and, and and then I'm like, okay, but you're only using, if we're only using orgasm, now that I have this new, I mean, not new word, but new, yeah, new way of understanding it, then if we're only talking, we're basically only talking about gratification, right? And so, because we're only measuring it through orgasm, right? But, and, and, and definitely sex can be really pleasurable, extremely pleasurable, um, without expectations of the goal at, at all. Um, I forgot where I was going with this, <laughs> but, but, there's something about this, this, this gratification of the goal and how it is, how gratification of the goal is an obstacle to pleasure, right? Um, and, and this, this, this gratification is done in such a way to allow this Again, I don't know why, what's the investment in masculinity because there's no prizes involved, but this, this masculinity as sort of informed gratification, like you can't, you have to flick that, you know, flick pieces of that shell off in order um, to experience pleasure because pleasure also involves vulnerability, right? And so, and masculinity, says no different, we don't do vulnerability. Um, and anytime we do vulnerability, we, we lose our manhood badge, uh, somehow. And if we have anything other than sex within this box, we have also lost our masculinity. And, you know, I used to, ha- I don't see clients in person anymore. And, um, I haven't had a, a SIPPEC male client in, in years, but I do recall that I, there, there was like a, the swarm of like middle-aged and, and so I, like elders uh, and like cl- you know now that I'm in my fifties I'm like elders starts at 80, right? But um before so I, I had like a bunch of of cis hat men in their 60s and 70s coming to me for butt hole massage and being like I've wanted this my whole life. And I'm just like on the one hand, yay that you are in a place now where you can do this for whatever reason you're sinking, you know, your wife has died, you, your, your kids are grown, you, you know, you don't feel like anyone's judging you. Um, but oh my God, to, be, to wait until you're like in your 60s or 70s to, to have sexual pleasure, Woo! that's just, a, that just hurt, it hurts me. I mean, these were actually great clients and I love them dearly, both of them of the two that I'm thinking of right now, but, um, like, I just can't, um, imagine that, like, the toll that that takes on you to deny yourself pleasure for fear of losing your masculinity badge, which, again, may I remind you, does not give you any, <laughs> I mean, like, like, yes, um, you know, patriarchy is uh, like a whole prize, you know, mediocrity. Let me have the confidence of a York way, man. Like, yeah, you get that. But like, what's the, if you are, uh, you know, a CEO, a, a, a GM, you don't lose your CEO position because you had your butt massage or your wife like fucked you in the ass. So I still don't, uh, in that term, like, what, is, what are the, the, no one's coming to give you a prize for denying yourself and denying the pleasure of the rest of your body. You get no fucking prizes for that.
0: Hey there, thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I hope you're enjoying this episode. I just wanted to chime in here with a plug for my online men's course. It's called Outperform a Porn Star. It goes for six weeks and it's all about experiencing multiple orgasms, overcoming any uh, sexual dysfunctions, reframing your whole performance mindset around sex to be more pleasure-oriented, We talk about communicating with your partner, being a sexual leader, and all of this amazing stuff. So if you're interested in learning how to outperform a porn star, head to my website, www.cam-fraser.com. Let's get back to this episode. I appreciate you bringing up Butthole Massage because if I reflect on like my own um, revelatory transformative experiences around sexuality, around masculinity, around you know, shifting from gratification to pleasure. For me, it was anal play and prostate massage. Like that was hands down the most like experientially, you know, embodied way of shifting out of the way that I was approaching sex and the way that I thought about my masculinity and the way that I thought about what it meant to be a sexual man. Uh, And so uh, I'd love to speak to you about buttholes and about, you know, anal penetration and anal play uh, for, you know, the next maybe 20 minutes as we close down the podcast. Um, the, uh, cause this is, this is, I'm, I'm super passionate about it and I, I, I know, um, that you are as well. So, um, I wanted to, to ask like, um, well, I, I suppose what, what is your philosophy around buttholes and, and anal penetration and anal play? I'd love to like, just start with like your thoughts on it in general
1: well so uh, one of my teachers and the teacher that i feel like had the most profound effect on me and i still you know i consider him one of my affinity ancestors so chester maynard and maybe some of your folks who um listen to this podcast will know who he is so chester maynard um was one of my massage teachers he was my main massage teacher and he had his nickname was avatar of ass and he had this whole spiel and philosophy and belief around the butthole and how uh, number one you can't say that you love your body if you are disgusted by your asshole and you have no connection with your asshole like those two things cannot go together and two how are we a society uh, you know the the biggest one of the biggest insults that you can call somebody is an asshole right so if you're calling someone who's behaving in a you know, disgusting, offensive manner, Your part of your body, like, then, of course, you're going to think the same, you know, you may not be constant, but of course, you're, you're going to invest somatically or energetically, you're going to have that connection around this whole, whole part of your body, your asshole, right? And so... Um, just sort of rethinking like he had like little cutesy things like we couldn't say someone we couldn't say anal retentive you had to say anally radiant you know and um and I had I did I studied with Chester for a a while um like I I met him by referral like some people recommended him to me and I ended up taking like eight classes in one year with him or something really ridiculous like that but um, you can't love yourself if you don't love your butthole. Physi- physiologically, scientifically, whatever. Um, so in, in terms of uh, nerve endings in the square area, you know, in the area. So, so the clitoral hood has the most. And followed by that is not the head of the penis, it's the butthole. So ignoring the butthole is ignoring this huge amount of like, like all these pleasurable, um, nerve endings and, and that, and butthole massage, like I had butthole massage, uh, by, so one of my, um, co-students, co-students, cohort. Um, so it was part of our studies. We had to give each other, you know, butthole massage. And so, you know, my dyke ass and there's this guy and his like big bear gay man. And so there was no sexual attraction between us, but there w- we, we were connected um, like there was an appreciation of each other's Im- sexual uh, sex- sexual embodiment, embodied sexuality, I mean, whatever you want to call it. So, but there was no sexual attraction. So I, I, I had my first butt hole massage from him and it, I was like, and I had a lot of massages before then, um, because again, I had taken classes with Chester before and, and the Body Electric, which is another community I used to be part of, and in some ways still is. Um, a body Electric is a, um, a school around body sexuality started by Joseph Kramer um, during the uh, AIDS uh, epidemic. So, um,
0: Joseph's been on my podcast just as a. Um yeah he was like one of my first guests, yeah, and he's uh, a, a teacher of mine, so yeah I, I'm Yes, yeah,
1: Joseph one used too so I did a lot of things about electric and, and Joseph Kramer and um Chester Maynard and Chris Rose were the three teachers of the um uh sexual sexual sexological bodywork officer so you have the butthole. it has got all these um pleasure. You know, pleasure, uh, nerve endings and, and massage buffalo can go either way. So I had my first massage with, uh, this big bear guy. And I was like, I am a puddle dripping off the table. I have no body. I have become what, you know, like it was just, and I had had lots and lots of massages up until then. And that was the most profoundly relaxing experience of my life to date. Uh, you know, up until then, and then later on, I had another butt hole massage um, by someone who was attracted to me, and I, I wasn't necessarily attracted. To, I, I wasn't attracted to them, but the the even though they were both, we we're all students in the same class, right? So we all had exactly the same techniques, but that was a very different butt hole massage than us. So like the, the it's pleasurable, and it could go any way you it to go right, and then, you know, one of my other teachers, Mark Fleming, did this um, uh, butthole meditation, right, so there's, like, you can, the butthole is, like, the gateway to, like, wherever you want to go, you want to have, like, wild sexual sexual experiences, you can do that with the butthole, you want to just, like, fucking actually really relax, you can do that with the homicide, you want to, like, Meet God or whatever God looks like to you, whatever God is to you. You can also do that through butthole massage, right? The butthole is the gateway to everything. And, um, uh, for example, I was having, I've been having a lot of, uh, a lot of GI issues since uh, I moved to Mexico. And at one point I was doing, um, like I had a nutritionist, but I was also doing sort of like energetic nutritional coaching with another one of my teachers. And we we're talking about something, something or something. And then <laughs> I was like, this is why I love my circle. So I was talking about something or something. And then she said, sounds like to me, you need a butt home And I was like, you're right. I need a butt home And I, I, I was in Mexico when we had the scene. I was like, I don't know anyone here to like get a butt home sauce. And so I had to go back to the Oakland for something, and I was like, "Yo, peeps, I need a bubble massage. Who can give me a bubble massage? Preferably somebody off the train back chapter." And you know, within like hours, somebody—not even I think it was like half an hour. So the very next day, I had a bubble massage. And 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 the the path the path to oh, you need a bubble massage was talking about my my digestive issues, right? Um, and and like how like. My life wasn't feeling juicy and, and the, what, what was the investment I had in food and the, da and then like going down that path like oh, your life isn't juicy. How can we juice it up? Oh, you need a butt home massage. Damn straight. I need a butt home massage. Like if you could prescribe butt home massages, to pretty much everything. And, and I feel like when I was working with people one on one and in person, uh, I don't, I, I've never been a person, like, I don't push my services, right, for those of you listening, I do a lot of air quotes and, and, and gestures that don't come across if you're just just listening. Um, so, I don't push my services, but it's definitely, like, if you want to work with me as a psychological body worker, I recommend that one of the sessions you have is the public release session which is a butthole massage and may or may not include penetration depending on the person. And that's something we agree on before the session. You know, like if somebody says, no, I don't want um, penetration. And then in the middle of it, they say, oh, I can my mind. Sorry, we made the agreement we made with no penetration. Um, and, and then another thing about butthole massage and, and anal penetration is even in some communities where people are like, yeah, we, we anal sex, anal sex there's this rush to get inside the body and to ignore the rosebud. And uh, just a note here, (laughs) rosebud, what did my friend tell me she Googled? Do not Google rosebud and they're not the same, prolapse and rosebud, not the same thing. Um, So, uh, you know, they just, they rush to get inside and they ignore all the, the pleasure that's to be found on the outside. And you know, some of Chester's techniques. And, and if you're interested, um, oh god, I don't to forget the name of the anal, anal, anal pleasure for beginners. You can find it through Joseph Kramer's website. Um, there's two um DVDs. Well, there were DVDs back in the day. <laughs> there's two. Um uh, streaming classes from chapter of, of around um, specifically around anal massage um and and in it he just says some really profound beauty like you know, there's like him doing an anal massage and then other people doing an anal massage, and then him talking about uh, his philosophy around anal massage and some of it is just so profound and so like. Paradigm shifting. Um, which I can't remember the quote right now, but that's something I, I really recommend folks watch if they are interested in exploring um, anal pleasure um, for themselves or with, with their partner. Self animal massage can be pretty tricky. Uh, that was one of our that was one of our assignments as part of the psychological body work thing, and I was just like, "How do I get there?" So that that can be uh, a little that can be a little challenging, but. You know, I could go on and on and on and on about the benefits of butthole massage. And I feel like every single person who has a butthole should experience butthole massage at least once in their life. And I also do think that this pet men who think about sex as a form of penetration. <laughs> like, if, if I ruled the world, we would have my sex education and blah, blah, blah. And you would not be allowed to penetrate somebody until until you've been penetrated. Um, You learn different things about um, gentleness and taking care um, when you yourself have been penetrated before you penetrate
0: other people. Yes, I 100% agree with you. Something I like to say is uh, if you want to become a better penetrator, learn what it's like to be penetrated. And, um, and that's something I typically apply to, yes, you said dudes. Um, there was, uh, something here that I wanted to ask you around, which was, oh, uh, so I do a practice with my clients that, um, I originally learned in Barbara Corellis' book, Urban Tantra, um, which I think she, um, I think the name is, um, Oh, it's, it's like butthole breathing, but like the specific thing that she writes in the um, book is like sitting on the earth and trying to get your butthole to kiss the ground. And, um, and so it's like this deep breath in down, you know, using the diaphragm down into the belly, down into the pelvis and feeling this expansion outwards so much so that like there's an expansion through the anal canal and through the anus and through the sphincters. So that opens up and you're like trying to get your, your butthole to, to kiss the earth. Um, and and you know, it's a really grounding practice, and so I do that, um, and I also get my clients to do that. And I've heard you talk about uh, anal breathing before, and and I was wondering um, you know, if there was a connection there between breathing and breath work and anal massage and just anal stimulation in mm-hmm. general.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, um, Barbara is also a student of Chester's at one time, and so anal, the anal breath that I teach it comes directly from Chester. Um, and uh, I call it the anal breath, no, because he calls it the anal breath, but also because it's it's when you when you when you get it, when your body gets it, it really does feel like you're breathing into your mouth. Um And so when I'm teaching anal breath, I teach there's like different a bunch of different um, variations, but I teach the most basic one, which is simply just the breathing in through the nose and breathing out through the mouth. What I also have folks do though, is we spend some time excuse uh, me, we focus on the jaw, make sure it's relaxed, and then we focus on the butthole to make sure it's relaxed because that's, those are opposite ends of the same tube, right? And so if we're trying to relax the body, we're going to focus on relaxing the chunk. We're going to focus on relaxing the chunk. We're going to focus on both, uh, both ends. And, and also the anal breath is really about bringing some awareness and energy into the pelvis because we are, are, we're, we're mostly numb in the pelvis, right? Like, we have, um, that's where our elimination organs are, that's where our reproductive organs are, that's where genitalia organs are, genitalia organs the genitalia is. And, you know, we have issues around uh, those uh, pieces of our body. And so that gets sort of transferred, those issues get sort of transferred into how we connect or don't connect uh, with the um, pelvis. And so the anal breath is really the beginning of the breath work that I teach and the most, like, you can't move on to the other stuff until you get the anal breath and, um, and and also the anal breath can be profound without the other breaths that I teach, but it's, it's just breathing in through the nose and breathing out from the mouth and making sure that the breath is not trapped up here in the chest, that it comes down to the belly and that we are expanding in all directions. So um, in, in my drop-in sessions, um, we go, you know, I Briefly, briefly teach each of the three breaths that I use, the anal breath being one. Um, and then we spend 20 to 30 minutes just doing, uh, the anal breath. And some folks, um, you know, that I've taught, who've uh, gone through my, when I used to do a breath work breath, breath, one-on-one coffee, um, don't use the other two breaths. The other two breaths being the charging breath and the big uh, draw and just do a lot of really profound work. Um, with you know, themselves or with their partner just doing the anal breath because there's a way that you can experience a deep relaxation and also the anal breath allows the mind to shut the fuck up so that you can hear the body. You can hear what the body wants to tell you. And sometimes what the body wants to tell you. Sometimes people hear it in actual words. Sometimes people just get images that mean something to them later. Sometimes they it speaks in colors. It speaks in all kinds of different ways. And so when I'm when I'm trying to encourage people to develop this as a practice, the the point is to be able to um, open this. This communication with your body and then start to understand the ways that your body speaks to you, right? And we also do like a body scan. We focus on each part of the body and then we like, what is it that, what is it that's happening in my thigh right now? Uh, Oh, I'm feeling sad in my thigh. Oh, my thigh feels like a circle. Oh, my thigh feels purple. And then over time, you learn, oh, so when, when my thigh feels purple, it means that this is what is happening in my body. When my thigh feels green, this is what is happening in my body. Because the body is like the, um, like the early warning system, right? And so often we don't listen to what the body is saying and then shit blows up in our faces. So the body is often, you know, like, oh, I'm in a situation where I feel unsafe. My body is fucking telling me time after time, every time that I'm feeling unsafe but I'm ignoring what my body is telling me. And then that happens. Um, and so if we can get that early warning, if we can listen to the body uh, and get that early warning, system, I feel unsafe, I feel I'm un- unappreciated, um, I feel um, disrespected or, you know, the things that I'm doing just make me feel tired all the time. Like Being able to listen to the body is really important. And it's the anal breath, that deep, relaxed, full, expansive breath that allows us to do that. And another point is that for some folks, so I do, I do two community sessions. One is for Black folks only, uh, and the other one is open to anyone, but I say it is um, queer, trans, intersex, Black, Indigenous, and other people of color centered, but not exclusive. So it's open to anyone. But for those of us who live in bodies that are mostly marginalized by the state, it be part of the psychic armor that we have to wear in order to get through the day. One of the effects of that is that the body literally can't expand backwards, and so I spend a lot of time with people like we okay, we're focusing on the front. Okay, now we're focusing on expanding the side. Okay, now we're focused on expanding the backwards. Let's sit in this space for a while. Maybe we have to do a little extra work. Maybe we have to actually. Maybe we have to actually say out loud, "Hey, body." Right now, it's okay to expand that. Maybe we have to do a little efforting, but is it really an efforting of pushing or is it an effort of letting go of that armor that we're so accustomed to wearing for our own protection? Um, and then the anal breath can also be used, you know, like without doing the other breath, the anal breath can be used to enhance your intimacy, whether that is energetic, emotional, or physical intimacy with a partner or partners. Um, I once did a workshop for, um, I developed this workshop for Open, it's about Open SF, it was a, like a, FL, I don't think they actually said they were a polyconference, but it was about like sort of non-monogamy. And I was like, I wanna do like graph work, erotic graph work for a child, what would that look like? And so one of my friends has also been, you know, one of my students for a long time. And then they found somebody else and then through, through, like, we all together, okay, do this, do this. You're gonna do this, I'm gonna do this. We're gonna do this, let's keep it work. And it was a very well attended workshop. And it was a lot of fun too. Like yab yum in a threesome is uh, a, a, lot of, a lot of fun. A Little bit like being on a twister mat, but also, <laughs> Um, a lot of them. Um, what more can I say about in breath? Uh, I just feel like the, the, the importance of being able to sit in, and I'm to say in silence, to be able to sit in a place where you can hear what your body wants to tell you and to shut up the mind, which is where so many of the, 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 the meaning, um, dehumanizing messages, uh, they, like we hear, we actually literally hear them, or you know, they're coming from our brain. So, being able to like just take some time to shut that shit down. Now, I have been, I also um, am uh, I'm neurodivergent and you know, I have many friends who are part of the disability justice um, community. And so, one thing that I am also trying to uh, incorporate into my understanding is that for some folks uh, with mental illness, um, especially that mental illness and trauma, sitting silently and breathing can be incredibly triggering in like a really horrible, horrible way. So trying to make this work as acceptable to as many people as possible may, means that I, I, I have changed some of the stuff that I, <coughs> some of the instructions that I give. And I also try to make space for people to to work off that energy in another way, in another way if they want, like, through movement if that helps, you know, like sitting still, sitting silent may be more triggering, but if, if there's movement, it, it's a little bit more uh, manageable. Um, and other things like, i I don't believe, <clears throat> I don't believe that there's, I don't believe this work is wrong or inaccessible to anyone. It's just a matter of how it needs to be modified. To work for other people so that's um that's something i i think about uh, a lot when i'm doing my community
0: session yeah I, I appreciate you speaking into that as well just at the end there because that's something i'm trying to do with my work as well is make it more accessible um for people with disabilities um so yeah i, I appreciate you, you mentioning that uh, something that i i wanted to get your opinion on just as we close down the podcast because i'm mindful of time is um I had a, a conversation with a colleague of mine. Um, so she's a, a, a cis uh, woman. And she was talking to me about like the, the what she perceives as the different energetics of um, vaginal penetration and anal penetration. And um, the way that she was describing it to me was um, that like, the, like the, the anus and the rectum is like, excretory and it's like responsible for releasing and letting go and excreting um and uh and so and maybe in a sense the like the vaginal canal and the vagina is you know in some way you know it it um you know, through menstruation and there's the releasing there but she was explaining to me that she feels like the the vagina and the uterus and things like that is is like um more uh, receptive is the way that she described it to me so she used the the excretory and receptive and so she and so she felt that there was like an energetic difference between like the the penetration of of those two parts of her body and and you know her client's body and so I wanted to ask you around your perception or or beliefs around like just the energetics and you know something she mentioned to me as well was like the the void uh and exploring like the the void of the anus um uh, compared to you know the lack of a a void in um like penetration of the vagina so yeah i I just am super curious about that because i don't have a vagina and so my my curiosity was really peaked
1: there is a difference but i i I that's not the difference that i see for me so i'm i'm not a person who craves anal penetration you know like i it like it's I haven't had God, I haven't had sex since before the pandemic. Okay, and so um, I might be like, "Oh, I'm fucking horny," but I, I, I really never do. I, like, I really want to get fucked in the ass. Like that's not a thing that happens. But I do enjoy uh, anal penetration more specifically in conjunction with anal- with vaginal penetration more so than on its own. But what I will say for me the, the difference in energy is. <laughs> How this is going to sound? So I don't really have to trust you to be fucked in the vagina. In fact, I don't. I don't have to be connected to you at all. Like, so a lot of my friends say that I approach sex like a straight man, but it's like I don't have to be connected to you at all in order to have, like, in order to allow you to penetrate my vagina. And but to penetrate my anus because there's because it's so much more and for me, it's so much more fragile I don't know if that's what it, it, like it requires a much more care, and it's much for me, it's much more intimate and and oftentimes like I, I think I had um before I started doing this work, I had a lover who was really into that was my third, first uh, exploration inqua I, I had a lover who was really into. Um, in a play. And at that time, I was kind of like, eh, it doesn't really sound all that interesting, but like, if you want to good, okay, whatever. And then I was like, wow. Okay. That is very interesting. Um, but you know, I had a, a, a connection with her. She was my partner uh, and, and the, the build up and the slowness and the, and the, um, and the the care that's necessary, like I have to really trust you. I have to really want you. I have to really feel connected to you to allow you inside my asshole in a way that's not necessary. Unless you're talking about fisting, machine, which is a whole other thing. But just for like random, random penetration, for like random penetration, um, I don't even have to know your first name. Like I don't need, I don't need to, I, you just have to be like a warm body, right? But for anal play, there's just a whole different level of vulnerability and intimacy that's necessary in order for me to just relax enough, right, for it to be possible that I like, I couldn't imagine. Okay, not that I haven't had anal sex with strangers, but in general, <laughs> I, for one of my birthdays, I set up a, a gangbang for myself. That was a, that was a whole other story. But in general, if it's just me and one other person, like the energy, it's, it's so much more sensual than, um, it's so much more sensual than say how I like to be fucked, which is not like I don't like sensual, so fucking, but um, the, energy, it, the energy is very different, but for me, it's around the level of vulnerability and trust and intimacy and connection with the other person i don't often when i'm masturbating i it's not that i ignore my butthole but like like i said i don't often crave anal touch so i don't play with my own butthole and also the logistics of it are a (laughs) little bit challenging yeah you know and so it's it's not, I, I am very interested in doing and developing a deeper relationship with my butthole and it has been part of my sort of like, not bucket list, but it's been part of my like, okay, this is the thing we need to work on for years. And one of the ways that I work on things for me personally is to like have a class or a ritual or something about it because I'm so much more accountable to other people than I am accountable to myself. So the um, I have an ongoing um, queer, trans, intersex, Black, Indigenous, and other people of color new moon ritual group. So we meet every other new moon and we masturbate together every new moon, the moon. And so I keep saying like I really want us to do some anal work. Like I want to do an anal meditation with like a butt plug and like all this stuff. But we haven't, really, we haven't really bonded there yet. So it's kind of like a big thing to like, hey, strangers, we're going to play with our balls. Um, so the energy is different, but I, 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 because I also see the vagina as an ex, expiratory, is that the word? like there's a, a big, a, a big part of the vagina is about pushing out. Um, and so I don't necessarily see it as more receptive than the anus. Right. Like they both have physiological functions that involve pushing something out. Um, one thing I do know when I'm, when I'm working with folks who have both a, a, a vagina, a vaginal canal and an anal canal, that when I talk about clenching the butthole, I know that for some, some folks who both organs, it can be very challenging to only clench the butthole. So that when they go to do that clench, they're also clenching, the like, the vagina and all of those muscles the
0: entire area
1: yeah yeah the whole area um so trying and like here i am now trying to be like oh that's my whole life damn um it can be challenging so uh, that was a long-winded answer yes it can be different but i think it's different for a, a different reason than uh,
0: uh, well, I'm super appreciative of you speaking into that and sharing um, about your experience as well. And just, you know, really appreciative of you setting aside the time and having this chat with me. It's been really valuable and informative and Isn't educational bad? for me. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just, yeah, really grateful. So, thank you. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. I really, I think I'm going to get a lot of uh, play, no, a lot of use out of understanding, now talking about this delineation between gratification and pleasure. So, I really appreciate that too.
0: Oh, no worries. I'm glad I could drop, you know, one one thing in there as well that was helpful for you. That's really great. Thank you so much.
1: Thank
0: you. Hey there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Men, Sex and Pleasure podcast. If you find value from this content, then I encourage you to consider becoming a patron on my Patreon account You can find the link for that in the description below. You'll have access to a whole bunch of perks, including behind-the-scenes podcast footage, as well as pre-release YouTube videos and patron-only writing, as well as the opportunity to have your name either shown in a YouTube video or read out in a thank you during the podcast. So, like I said, if you enjoy this content and you'd like to support it and support me, then head to the link in the show notes below and consider becoming a patron. Thank you.